This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Nehemiah chapter 13. This is going to be the shortest verse that we've ever opened up with ever. This is the life of Nehemiah. This is the end of his victorious, great, illustrious career. He's ending this book and ending his courageous life. And watch what he says to God. The, 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 the great leader Nehemiah says to God, remember me, O God, for good. Now, Nehemiah actually prays this prayer multiple times in this last chapter, and he keeps saying, God, remember me, remember me. May I be remembered, may I go down as someone that, that did good on the earth, that was a good parent and a good friend, that was good with my business and good with my life and good with my finances. How many of you want to be remembered for good and not for evil? Let me see your hand. He's saying, God, I, I did my best. I laid it all out there. I did everything I could. God, um, I know I wasn't perfect. I know I blundered and rooted for the Yankees sometimes. But God, um, will you remember me for good? I want to preach a message uh, today. If you'd write down the title, it's called, This One's a Remodel. This one's a remodel. And I'll explain that in just a moment. But let's pray one more time and believe that God when we open up his word, will encourage us. By the way, the most important time in our services at Zoe Church is when we open up the word of God. And so we get just as loud as, and excited about the word as we do the worship. And I like what that guy was saying yesterday. He's like, man, if I go to church, I want everybody to be into it. So just a heads up, we are a loud church and we is gonna say amen. Somebody say amen. So let's pray. Father, thank you for Zoe. Thank you that you're speaking to us and encouraging us and we pray pray for every home, for every person, God, that you would come and give us something to take away for our personal lives. Open up our eyes today so we can see Jesus. Open up our ears so we can hear the Holy Spirit. Do something profound and, God, something that only you can do in this setting. We're thanking you for your word. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path, and we love your word. And, God, we pray that today Los Doyers, as all Hispanics would call it, will win today in and beat the cubbies in Jesus name. And we all said together, come on, somebody say amen. amen. Go Dodgers. Um, I, I, this has become like a, uh, like a topic at our, at our home, something that we've been kind of mulling over, uh, so to speak between Julia and I, um, the subject of remodeling. And, uh, it's this way because, you know, um, there's a couple of people in the church as Zoe recently, they've, they've taken old houses and they're in the midst of, of flipping, like remodeling them for their, for their, for their family. And so they're, they're going to like old areas of LA, old homes, you know, something that's built in like the fifties or something like this, got that nasty cabin tree, those old grandma carpets, popcorn ceilings, like just the work. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Those old houses smells like sin. And, and they're going in and they're buying these old homes to do a remodel. Now, Julia's all about this. This fits her description and her passions. This is the polar opposite of me. So like, I'll never forget when Julia and I were dating, she lived, uh, we lived two hours away when we first started dating. She lived down in Vancouver, Washington. I lived up in, in the Tacoma area of Washington. And, um, and I lived, I had, I had built my, my first home when I was 25 years old. I owned my first home and, and picked everything out, the cabins and the, you know, the whole look and the design and the island for the 
kitchen, all that. So I, I was in a brand new house. Julia, she was down two hours away in a remodel. Now, by the way, I like when you're in a dating relationship and you got long distance because you get to talk on the phone till late at night. You know what I'm talking about? And no one knows when to hang up. You hang up. Don't stop it. You hang up. <laughs> Are you still there? Yes. Silly rabbit, tricks are for kids. I never called her a rabbit. I never did. Just go on the record, I never called her a rabbit. But 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 we were dating long distance, and Julia was down in, in Vancouver and she had just remodeled this house. Like it was unbelievable. She went to Home Depot, she did the whole thing, remodeled the whole kitchen. She put she she remodeled all the hardwood floors, she did all the painting, her and her sister. She did redid her room, they did the backyard. I mean, she did she did a total remodel. She flipped this entire room. I want to preach today out of the life of Nehemiah, how our God has a passion to help you rebuild or remodel your life. God wants to take the things that have been broken and destroyed and ruined by circumstance or sin, and he wants to help to teach you how to rebuild your life. Everything about God is re-getting it back to where it should be. Watch God. God restores. He renews. He revives. He remodels. Our God is in the re-business because he knows what you should look like. He knows what you're called to do. He knows what, what he's fashioned you to be. So God is committed to helping you rebuild the wall that the enemy came to destroy. Maybe some relationship destroyed some things. Maybe some decision destroyed some things. Maybe Satan himself has destroyed some things. Our God wants to give you the tools today on how to rebuild your life. If you're excited about it, say amen. Watch the, yeah, I like that. We started clapping. I like that. It's the 12 o'clock service. Watch the life of Nehemiah. This is an unbelievable book of the Bible about a man named Nehemiah. Now watch where it first and all starts. It always does. Nehemiah is minding his own business. He's positioned strategically by God and doesn't know it in relationship with a very powerful, prominent man. He's just minding his own business and it's not CNN, it's not Twitter, but he hears report about how the walls of Jerusalem are broken down, about how the people are in devastation and watch his response to the word of what's happening. Watch here in Nehemiah chapter one. It says, and they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words. I didn't see it on social media. It wasn't a photo on Instagram. It wasn't the news report in the video that was leaked. When I heard these words that I sat down and I wept. And I mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I'm going to tell you some things out of life of Nehemiah that apply to our life just the same. But write down the first thing of Nehemiah. He was moved and he was moved towards God. He was moved. He hears what's going on and the destruction of the walls and, and he's moved. Oh, are you, are you serious? Can I ask you a question today? What moves you? What, I mean, what just gets you? What, what angers you? Remember, a lot of you, your ministry is tied to what makes you upset. 
Because if it makes you upset, that's got your attention. He's upset about it. He's moved. He's weeping. He's, he's moved. A lot of us have become so desensitized because it feels like the news and the media, it just gets worse every day. And some email, some video, some comment, some shooting, some outrageous thing. And you and I, we grow dull and desensitized to the things that are going on. Can I ask you a question this morning? What moves you? Because you, you ought to get moved by some things. I'll never forget a couple years ago when the shooting happened in Ferguson. I was so moved. I was so outraged. I, I, it, it did something to me. And by the way, we've been talking about this almost weekly, that if it was all about all lives matter, and that was a current subject that was really important, we would say all lives matter. But for this particular time in history, we mourn with those who mourn. So we're going to say this out loud, black lives matter. And they matter here at Zoe, and they matter to God. And if it's a hot topic, the church ought to be talking about it. Somebody say amen. And so it, I was moved. I'll never forget. I was preaching in St. Louis and I told the guys after the, it was a week after I told the guys after the service, take, take me right now to Ferguson. I want to go see this. this. This pushed all my buttons. So I went there. The guy was so literal. I wanted to just be in the city. He drove me to the spot where it happened. It was about 11 p.m. at night. I have never felt such tension in all my life. You could feel it in the air. It was thick and I was moved. What moves you? What, 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 there's something that it just resonates in you. It strikes a chord in you. Because until you find some moving, until you find some inspiration, you won't do anything about it. He is so moved by this. God gets a hold of his attention. Watch what he does. He's moved, but he's moved towards God. In other words, when he's moved, he doesn't spout off on, on social media. He doesn't go to his, his favorite bar and talk about it with everybody. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't lose his mind. No, he doesn't turn towards evil and resort towards that. He turns towards God. I just wonder what would happen in your world if you started to turn towards God with your problems. When you start going through something, when life circumstance gets overwhelming, when you get upset or you get rattled by something, I think instead of turning towards substance, turning turning towards abuse, turning towards destructive thinking. Come on, somebody help me preach. We got to make our turn towards God. Come on, anybody believe that God can do something about it? God is the better move. Nehemiah, the first thing he does is cry. The second thing he does is pray. What would happen in your home? What would happen in your business if you were moved by God and you went to God? The Bible says in Psalm 121, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from you, the maker of heaven and earth. When you get a realization that God is the source, God is my strength, God is the answer, God is the solution. I'm not running towards handling it myself. I'm not running towards my friend sort it. No, I'm running to God. Anybody believe God can be turned towards and he will always turn to us. You know, the Bible actually teaches us in the book of James. It says, draw near to God and God, he will draw near to you. I just wonder how many of us, we get moved and upset and frustrated by life circumstance, by something going on, and we turn towards something that's going to actually make it worse and not better. And we try and sort stuff out. And that's why a lot of people get addicted. They have substance abuse. They have violent relationships. They have destructive thinking. Because when we're moved, we ought to be moved towards God. So watch Nehemiah. He hears the report. The walls of Jerusalem are broken down. The people are in distress. He sits down. He weeps and he cries. And he goes to God and he starts praying. Now watch this. Nehemiah understands I am in a position. I didn't realize this until now. I am in a position to do something about this. So Nehemiah starts praying. He starts asking God, Ooh, God, if you just give me a shot, I'll do something about it. 
if you just give me a chance, write down number two, I love this about Nehemiah. Nehemiah, he waited for his time. In other words, his knee-jerk wasn't a reaction to run and go build a wall. No, he was strategic about it. He thought about it. He was wise about it. I wonder how many of us, we get too early to the solution and we don't have the backing or the wisdom to carry out the project. We just knee-jerk react and we say, I'm going to do this with my finances. I'm going to do this in my relationship. I'm going to do this in my marriage. And, da -da. and we haven't calculated it. We haven't thought it through. And so that there's no longevity to the solution. Nehemiah goes, I got to do something about it, but I'm going to be wise. He starts walking around. He's like, oh God, give me a shot. Give me a chance. Give me an opportunity. Can I encourage you today? Opportunities of a lifetime, they must be ceased within the lifetime of the opportunity. When an opportunity opens, you got to be ready for that thing. When a door opens, you got to know that door's not going to stay open forever. Say, I'm getting ready for it. I'm waiting for it. Some of us, we hate to wait because we think that waiting is working. But if you realize it this way, waiting will work for you. Waiting is working, but it's working for you. Some of us, we get so fast, we move so quick. We don't think about it. And the consequences to those decisions, the repercussions is because we didn't plot it out. We weren't strategic about it. We didn't go to the right sources. There's no longevity to the solution. I wonder what would happen if we started to wait on God. Nehemiah's walking around like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I, I know the king, we're in relationship, we're friends, he knows me, that's my boy, I think I got favor, I'm waiting for it, next time I go to the king, I'm going to ask, because I'm going to talk to somebody that can do something about it, he can send me to go build these walls, I'm moved, I'm, I'm praying, he's waiting, he's waiting, watch what happens in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 1, it's going to come on the screens, watch what Nehemiah does, it says in Nehemiah chapter 2, and it came to pass in the month of Nisan, whatever that is, in the, in the 20th year of Elizabeth's, and when Stop judging my biblical prowess. And when wine was before him, that I took the Merlot and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sat in his presence before. Next one. Is there not another one? Okay, that's fine. He said, I'm going to the king because my job is to go serve this man wine. So I'm bringing the wine, and guess what? I'm going to use it to my advantage. He's never seen me sad before, but I'm putting my pout face on now. That's so creepy, right? It's like so weird. Like, what a weird look. He's bringing the king his wine and he's all sad and he's waiting for it. He'd been waiting for his time. He'd been waiting for his shot. He'd been waiting for his opportunity. He goes, now's my shot. I just, I, I want to encourage you today. Start waiting for the right chance, the right time, the right job. Come on, don't be a person that tries to force issues. God is already giving you strategic relationship, strategic opportunity. You got to wait on God. The Bible says those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall rise on the wings of an eagle. They will walk and not grow weary. They will run and they will not faint because we're waiting on God. Come on, anybody believe that it's always worth the wait? Anything worth doing is worth doing slow. Anything worth doing is worth doing right. You ought to wait on God. So finally, Nehemiah's like, I got my chance. He goes in, he's super pout-faced, and the king's like, what's wrong? The Bible says, actually, in, in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 4, when he's about to reply to the king, he under his breath prays. He goes, oh, God, give me favor with the king. He answers the king. He's like, king, my people back in my city, the wall is demolished, and, and, and he, he 
He makes his case. Watch what he does. He gets favor with the king. The king sends him with resource and backing to go build the walls. So now what he was moved by, what he was praying for, what he was waiting on, he gets to go build. I'm telling you in life, there is nothing better than building what's in your heart. There is nothing better than working on what you've been dreaming to do. Come on. He may be building, but at least he's building what he wants to. It may be work, but at least it's the right work. Now Nehemiah's building the walls of Jerusalem. I'll tell you where fulfillment comes. Fulfillment comes when you're doing what's in your heart. Fulfillment comes when you're doing what you're called to do. Fulfillment comes when it's been God that gave you the idea. God that's been giving you the power to pray for. God gave you the idea to wait for. God gave you in right relationship and now you get to do the work. Come on, anybody thankful today that God's got a plan for your life. He's given you the work to do. It may be work, at least it's the right work. I'm telling you, being in Los Angeles and starting Zoe Church, you know, people say, you're building a church, starting a church. I've never been more fulfilled building something because I'm building what's in my heart. I'm building a family for God. I'm building a marriage for God. I'm building the thing that's in my heart. So watch this. He was moved by God and he was moved towards God. He waited on his right chance, waited on his right, his, his, his right opportunity. And then write down number three. He had courage in the face of opposition. Some of us think that just because you get your dream job or your dream girl, you get your dream life, that you're not going to have any adversity. And the reality is, anytime you step out to do something for God, well, let me say it this way, greater levels equals greater devils. Whenever you step out to do something great for God, you will know that it's God when you start to get a little resistance. I can always tell I'm doing the right thing for God when the enemy starts to attack my life. Why would he attack me when I'm just sitting on the sidelines? Why would the devil throw the kitchen sink at me when I'm just minding my own business? But as soon as I make the decision to start saying, God, my life is yours. My family belongs to you. My finances are not mine, they're yours. As soon as you try and step out to do something great for God, you know the enemy gets madder than a hornet. You know the enemy tries to throw the kitchen sink at you. Watch Nehemiah. Nehemiah's building the wall and all hell breaks loose. Nehemiah's building the wall and all of a sudden, well, as they say, haters gonna hate. Watch that the haters happen in Nehemiah chapter four. Now, in the Bible, Nehemiah chapter four, listen to these two guys that come after Nehemiah. They're the, they're the head of the, uh, of the haterade. That's kind of funny. And uh, listen, they, they sound like haters. Their names are Sam Ballot and Tobiah. You know you a hater when your mom named you Sam Ballot. Like you just come out the womb angry. My name's Sam Ballot. Like in class, you have to be like, Sam Ballot here. That, that sucks. Tobiah, the worst. Sam Ballot and Tobiah, they start hating on Nehemiah. He's doing the work of God. He's trying to rebuild the walls. He's trying to be obedient. He's trying to do the right thing. And all of a sudden, opposition starts starts to come against him. Can I encourage you today? Let the opposition be a sign that you're doing the will of God. Let the attack of the enemy be, bring a little bit of comfort to you of knowing you're doing it God's way. Watch what Nehemiah did. And the Bible says that Nehemiah, with one eye, he was building the wall. With the other eye, he was watching his back. Sometimes in life, if you're going to go forward, you got to be about your thing and you got to watch your back, especially in Los Angeles. you got to be about the thing that God's called you to do and just keep watching for the enemy to attack. But anybody believe today 
today that our God is a God of protection. He will command his angels to get around your home and get around your business. Oh, come on, 12 p.m. If you're thankful that we serve a God of protection, you ought to put your hands together and thank God that greater is he that is within me than he that is within the world. Come on, somebody praise the Lord in the 12. I love it when someone rises to the occasion. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. There's something about having a little bit of stamina, a little bit of reserve, having a backbone, having saying, I, you got to throw more at me to get me to quit. I, I, I'm not easy to roll over. I'm not easy to throw in the towel. I don't quit on my friends. I don't quit on my relationships. I don't quit on my projects. I don't quit on my calling. I wonder where some of us could have been in life if when the opposition came, you didn't run the other way, but you stood up under it and you said, I don't care what you say about me. I don't care what the adversity may feel like. I'm, I'm doing God's way. You know what I always think about? I always think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember, they were living in times when the king, the ruler of the land, said, if you don't bow down to worship me, this false god, then everybody's going to die. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, you know, even though we face adversity, we're going to face it with courage. And you know, they faced it with so much courage that literally they get thrown into a fiery furnace and they said, I'd rather face the consequences of, of being courageous than face the consequences of bowing out. And so they said to the king, we refuse to bow down. And in the face of adversity, their courage remained strong. You know that God, he saw their courage and he said, if you'll, if you'll live for me with such courage, I'll actually deliver you. I want to encourage you today. Some of you, all hell is broken loose against you, but I want to encourage you today. I feel this from the Holy Spirit. Stand strong in the grace of his might. Be courageous because God will honor your commitment. In the same way he honored Daniel, in the same way he honored Joseph, in the same way he honored Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Come on, church. God's going to honor you courageous in the midst of opposition. Stand there building, and he's building. He's, watch out for Sam Ballot. Watch your back for Tobiah. He's building the walls. And watch this. The Bible says that these guys finished the project in 52 days. They built these walls in 52 days. Write this down. He didn't just have divine inspiration. Nehemiah, he had divine intervention. It's one thing to get the idea. It's another thing to complete the task. It's one thing to say, I'm going to start living for God. It's another thing to remain faithful to the commitment. It's one thing to get married. Come on, church. It's another thing to stay married. He got divine inspiration from God. But did you know it was God that intervened and built those walls? There is no way that one man could build a wall around a city in 52 days. You ever see somebody, you ever see something, and you can clearly mark, only God could do that. Only, there's no way a man could do that. That was God. I'm telling you, when you start being obedient to God, you get the wind of heaven at your back. You get the grace of God at your back. And all of a sudden, you don't just got inspiration. You got intervention. Let's go Bible for a minute. The Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, or let's say it this way today, unless the Lord builds the walls, or let's say it another way, unless the Lord builds your life, the laborers labor in vain. We serve the God that inspires. We serve the God that intervenes. Come on, somebody praise God if you believe today that God is intervening intervening on your behalf. He is building stuff you can't, but you can't build on your own. That's why God does stuff that will blow your mind away. That's why God, he'll, he'll put you in right relationship even before you knew it was the right relationship.
God will go before you and he'll give you such favor. He'll give you such grace. He'll give you such strength. He doesn't just inspire you to leave you out on your own. No, God, he'll assign you to a task and then he'll say, I was just looking for someone that would be willing to be crazy enough to build in the midst of opposition and now let me go to work. You know, God will go to work in your home. God will go to work in your business. God will go to work in your life. God will grace you. He will favor you. Come on, he doesn't just inspire. Come on, anybody believe he intervenes. He doesn't just give you a word. Come on, he sees you all the way through. If he's going to call you to it, come on church, he's going to see you through it. Somebody praise the Lord in the 12. If you believe that we serve the God that will come, he'll build the walls. Everybody's walking around 52 days. How did you do it? You know what? The reality is I didn't. It was God. Don't ever try and take glory for what God did. He just used you. It wasn't you that did that awesome thing. It was God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God has given you the power to, to resist that temptation. God has given you the power to have the courage amidst adversity. God has given you the strength to make a calculated, wise decision. It wasn't Nehemiah. It was God all along. You ought to look through your life and go, that was God. That was God. That was God. Oh man, that was God right there. That was God. I can look back on my life and I can see God was at work. God was doing stuff. God was doing stuff. Come on, anybody can agree today that God has been faithful and God has been building the re rebuilding the walls of my life. So it all starts with this man minding his own business, strategically placed in a relationship with the king. He hears word and he's moved. Again, let me ask you that. Let's go back to that question one more time. What moves you? Is it someone that's wrongfully treated? Is it abuse? Is it human trafficking? Is it families that get broken apart? What moves you? I hope that when you're moved, it makes you turn towards God. He's moved and then he starts to really use his wisdom. He's waiting on God to come through. He waits on God, he sees an opportunity and he takes advantage. God uses him mightily, he rebuilds the wall of Jerusalem in 52 days. That's not just inspiration, that's intervention. God's building this and then watch what happens when the walls are complete. I love this about the life of Nehemiah. The walls get built back, and everything is great, and he's completed his task. And you would think after rebuilding some walls, it's like, hey, we rebuilt the walls, somebody grabbed the sound system, somebody get a good Spotify playlist, we're about to have a party, y'all. Look what we just, we just rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. Like, we did it, we, did, we, we made it. Like, you would think that all of it was about walls. But actually, when it comes to God, the rebuilding is never just about the rebuilding. But the rebuilding, you can write this down the last point, worship team, come join me. The rebuilding was only there for a recommitting. That the reason why God rebuilds your life is so that you can recommit your life. The reason why God restores your life is so you can recommit your life. The reason why God revives your life is so you can recommit your life. God is looking for a commitment to God. He is not looking for a commitment to building some walls. In other words, the walls was just a vehicle to get the city's attention that we should worship the Lord our God and serve him only. And so watch this, they rebuild the walls and in Nehemiah chapter eight, they come together and all of a sudden they open up the Bible for the first time. And when they read the Bible, the whole city begins to weep. 
And now that the walls are restored, the entire city recommits themselves to God. Can I read you a verse out of Isaiah that I find so much encouragement? I speak this over your life and I speak this over our church. This is why we rebuild. Read it on the screens. The book of Isaiah says, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will rise up to the age-old foundations. You will be called repairs of the broken walls, restore of streets with dwellings. You know what God's saying to us today? God's saying, I've called you to rebuild some walls. I've called you and sent you to this city. Before you ever rebuild Los Angeles, by the way, church, we are not starting a new work in LA. We are picking up off the work that's already been done before. And we may walk around today and see a city that is in need of hope and in need of joy and need of restoration. But before we can ever help rebuild somebody else's life, we gotta rebuild our own life. Before we ever revive somebody else, revival starts with me. And we don't revive and restore and renew and rebuild so that we can just have that. It's all for a recommitment to God. I believe that these streets will never be the same. This city will never be the same because our lives will never be the same. Somebody say amen. Come on, it may be a remodel and we may want what's comfortable and convenient, but anybody down to go to work? Anybody down for a little bit of movement? Anybody down for a little bit of inspiration? Anybody down to say, I'm waiting for the right time? Oh, come on, if you believe it, why don't you applaud and thank the Lord for being so good and so gracious and so kind and so loving and so wonderful. Come on, if you're grateful. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you were inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.